Hi, I am Mackenzie Gans, founder of EncourageEverybody.com, a paper goods and gifts brand in Northeast Ohio. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. Two men, two betrayals, two dramatic scenes from the last days of Jesus's life here on earth. These two men were very similar in many ways. They'd walked with Jesus. They'd talked and listened to him. They learned deep truths from him. They were key partners in his ministry and some of his closest friends. And the results of their actions during these critical last hours of Thursday and Friday of the Holy Week were downright tragic in so many ways. But the story doesn't end with the disastrous decisions and actions that these two men made. The story actually becomes even worse for one of these two men, but ends in a glorious restoration for the other. Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. Judas and Peter were two of Jesus' disciples, his closest friends. They were two partners that traveled with Jesus and the other ten men from various backgrounds for three spectacular years. And we can read about all of those stories in the Gospels. Judas we remember as a diligent and detailed person. His role was to help the group manage the financial resources that they had to provide for the group in their ministry. Peter is a vocal, strong-willed, and passionate leader, sometimes impulsive with his words and with his actions. But both of these men would betray Jesus in their own way. Jesus not only knew that they would do this, but he actually predicts it and states it in front of the whole group. If you will remember with me, in John chapter 12, we read of Judas's vocal judgment of Jesus. You remember the story. Mary takes an extremely expensive perfume, an ointment, and she pours it out on Jesus's feet in worship. Listen to these words in John 12 verses 5 through 7. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have among you, but you do not always have me. Reading on in this story, we see that Judas goes to the chief priests right after this. He approaches those religious leaders, the authorities, agreeing to betray Jesus and actually to lead them to arrest Jesus in the garden. And they strike this deal for 30 pieces of silver. For Peter, the story is somewhat similar. We read in John chapter 13 of a last supper that the disciples will ever have with Jesus on this earth. Jesus leads them in a teaching, a washing of their feet, and in giving them some of his last thoughts, instructions, and his love. Jesus is preparing them, really, and at one point gives them a hint 
of what is about to happen to him. And listen to this powerful interaction between Jesus and Peter. It's in John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. Both of these men will not only go on to live out exactly what Jesus knew and stated would, would happen, but they are then forced to come to terms with what they've actually done. Peter, he's accused that, you know, he was with Jesus. They're in the courtyard, and we know that story where people come up and say, hey, you were with Jesus. And he says, no, I wasn't. And even this last third time where a young girl even says, I know you, you're a Nazarene, you were with him. And Peter says, no, I don't even know who he is. And there's that dramatic part where then that rooster crows and Peter hears it, right? The scripture records that he goes away from that, that instance, that moment, and he weeps bitterly. I know that I've been there where I knew that I had... I had failed, I had sinned, I had done something that I know grieved Jesus. How about you? That is such a terrible place to be. And Judas does go on and realize what he's done as well. He even goes back to the high priests, the religious leaders, and he tries to return the money. Like, I'm sorry that I did this. But you know, the Pharisees and the law, they can't help him at that point. They simply tell him, hey, that's not our problem. What's done is done, and you're on your own, buddy. And that is a very tragic situation. Can you imagine the pain and the grief and the just the anguish that Judas must have felt at that moment? He was alone. He was regretting what he had done. And regret is like the most hopeless place that we can be. He was truly defeated. Both of these men have hit rock bottom in what they've done in betraying Jesus, right? But there seems to be a difference between the results of their futures. Unfortunately, Judas seems to stay alone in his sorrow, in his pain. He's leveled by perhaps even his own legalistic mind. I believe that he probably felt that he had no other alternative, that he was condemned that what, what was done was done, right? And the punishment for what he had done, as he assumed, was his own death. And that's what he carries out. And his life ends by his own hand. What a sad and tragic way that a man who walked with Jesus and was a friend of Jesus's, to find himself so hopeless that he had turned his back, not only on Jesus, not only on himself, but also on the entire world. And he ended his own life. Friend, if you know of a situation where someone is in that deep place, that dark place, 
I want to inspire you today to reach out to them that they are not alone. Because I see in what Peter did, the only contrast that I think I can find is that Peter seems to find company in his pain. He, he doesn't stay alone. And although he may have all the same guilt and shame and anguish that Judas did, he seems to go back to the people that he had been associating with, his friends, his family. He went back to the, lone, the only life that he, that he knew. It was the people. And see, we read in the gospel stories that Peter was amongst the friends, the disciples, when the women came back to tell of an empty tomb. And we also read of that beautiful reconciliation in John chapter 21. You see, Peter is with his buddies. He's with his friends. And he decides to go back out and start fishing, just like he had done so many times before, before he met Jesus. Listen to this wonderful interaction near the end of John's gospel, where Jesus appears to Peter. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped it for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For there were far, not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What a beautiful reconciliation. You see, not only did Peter find meaning in staying in the community, he actually rushes towards Jesus when he realizes that it's the Lord. Notice there that he didn't shy away. He actually jumps off the boat and swims ahead of the others to get to Jesus first. And a real major difference, a second difference that I see here in the way that Peter's story ends differently from Judas's is simply that he rushes towards Jesus instead of moving away from Jesus. You know, it reminds me of the story of the garden, the first humans, Adam and Eve. 
And there's a classic story that we go back to. It's in Genesis 2. Remember when man and woman disobey God and they do something that God tells them that they shouldn't have done, right? They eat from the tree uh, that they were told not to eat from. And immediately the scripture says their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. They knew that they were vulnerable. They, they had shame for the condition that they were in. And the Bible says that they actually tried to hide from, from the Lord. And the Lord would come and walk with them normally when one day they were nowhere to be found. And of course, you can't run from God. And so God finds them and he says, where, where were you? Well, we were afraid of you. We were afraid because we're naked. And then the whole story comes out. Who told you you were naked? And immediately they start to defend themselves, right? Adam says, well, she did it. And then, you know, Eve says, well, that snake did it. And they didn't rush towards God. They shied away from God. And so if you're in a painful place where you know that you've done sinful things, don't forget that you not only need community, but you need to rush towards Jesus because his open arms are waiting for you. And back to Peter's story, Jesus reconciles with him in a very appropriate way. I think it's so beautiful that he says, do you love me? He, he, he asks him that three times. Don't think that that was a coincidence. Jesus will reconcile with us in the most appropriate way, both for our fellowship with him and our fellowship with each other. A third major difference between these two men's stories is a bit of a speculation on my part, but hear me out. I believe that Peter, because of his decision to stay in fellowship with people and his willingness to run towards Jesus when he sees him, he begins to truly understand Christ's mission Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Now, Peter definitely has a better understanding of being lost, right? I've said this many times in my work with people. Jesus understands our pain and our grief. And although he certainly doesn't cause it, he can handle our rejection. He can handle your betrayal. He can handle our sin. But I can only imagine and when the realization starts to sink in for the early Jewish Christians, especially like Peter, when they read passages that they knew very well from the Old Testament, like Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. You see, when we find ourselves in sin, when we know that we've done something wrong, we need to remember these three things, just like Peter did. One is that we need people. We need friends and brothers and sisters, our families, our church communities to be together. Even when we're in pain, even when we're shame, when we, when we feel uh, alone. We need people. 
The second thing I want you to remember is that we need to rush towards Jesus. Let's not shy away in our shame. Let's not, let's not back down and try to hide from God. No, he knows where we are. And so run to him. And then thirdly, obviously realize that Jesus took the pain and the shame and the guilt upon himself through his death and his burial. And he overcame all that with his resurrection. And I too can understand Jesus's true mission to come and bear the brunt of the sin, the punishment that I actually deserve for what I've done. And so friend, I want to inspire you today with your own soul to keep a short account with Jesus. I've sometimes felt like I confess sin multiple times, even in one day, but I've tried to rush back to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And he will comfort me and he will, he will correct me when I need it. But he picks me up and he brushes me off and puts me back on the tracks because I'm with my brothers and sisters. I will rush to him when I know I've caused a mistake, caused pain. I've said, I'm sorry. And I'm reminded again and again of his true mission that he came to redeem me. And so I praise him for that. And I pray that you will do and practice these things as well. That's the heart of being an encourager in someone else's life because you, through your experience, can bring someone else through this process and to perhaps prevent them from taking the lonely and tragic path of Judas. You see, there's two ways to repent. And I would want you and everyone you know to follow Peter's model of repentance, to rush back to Jesus. I hope this has encouraged you today to start where you are, take what you have, and do what you can. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United podcast with me, Charlie Grimes. I would love for you to do me a favor and leave a comment and a rating for this podcast. It means more to me than you know, because that's how people are alerted about the Encouragers United podcast. I invite you to simply let me know how I'm doing, and that refers others to listen as well. I appreciate and read every one of your comments, and I'm trying to make the show better and better each week. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, or visit my website, charlesrgrimes.com. I'm Charlie Grimes, a Christian pastor and podcaster with a daily dose of inspiration from the most profound set of writings in history. That's right, the Holy Bible. What if we were to just take it in very small bite-sized pieces, like one or two verses every day? We'll read it, 
Let it sink in with some thoughts from my friend and colleague, Pastor Phil Ware, and then end our time with a short prayer for our day. Just like the ocean is made up of just little droplets, you can strengthen your faith with daily consistency. Join us every day for this dose of audio wisdom and inspiration. You can also read along with us on the verseoftheday.com website. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, we read, You will seek me, and you will find me, when you seek me with all of your heart. Join me today on this journey to seek God one small step at a time.